Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. Good morning. As PJ, my DJ, he always calls me Jameson. That's not my real name. Uh, but and PJ stands for Pastor Jazz, my DJ. I don't know what that stands for, but I was trying to be hipster. But uh, as he said, we are back in the book of John, and, and I looked back to see how long have we been in this book, and it's been actually for about 11 months. And if you notice, we're only in chapter 9. And the reason that is is because if you haven't been with us the entire time, it's because we take breaks every now and then and do series like the one we just did with Taboo. And secondly, the reason that we're, st- we're only in chapter 9 is because we're really not in a rush to get through this book. It's the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are wonderful books to be in, to have Jesus right in our face. And that's what we're going to be this morning in chapter 9. And as we're continuing forward in this gospel, I believe that it's important that we ask a significant question. And it's a, it's a three-letter word. It's why. Why did John write the book of John? Why did he write the gospel of John? Now, John is one of those writers who actually answers that question in his book. So we're going to look at John chapter 20. Um, It's found in verse 30 through 31. There we go. You know, it's good when technology works correctly, right? So let's look at what John says here. He says, Now Jesus did many signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. Now, verse 31, he's going to answer the why. Okay, here we go. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Why did John write the Gospel of John? Well, John basically is saying, where did I put my Bible? Oh, mom's got it. Okay, thank you, honey. John is basically saying that if you will take what I have written in in my book, the book of John, and you will come with a hungry and seeking heart and a humble heart, he says that if you will look at what Jesus did in miracles, the signs that point to him. And if you'll come with the right spirit, that Jesus himself will will reveal himself to you in such a way that you have to make a decision. You will come to a point where you have to decide how far into this do you want to go. Will you go all the way into Jesus and lay your life at his feet and say, I believe in you, I trust in you, You are my Lord. I believe you died for me, and you have my life. That's what John is saying here. He's saying, and if we do that, if we give him our lives, he is going to give us 
life. That's what he's saying, that that is the why he wrote this book. So as we're looking at this passage, we need to keep that in mind. I, hope, I don't know why you came here this morning, but I hope you came that you might believe more, if you already do believe in Jesus, that you would find deeper life in him, or if it's the first time that you've ever come to the decision of putting your faith in him, I hope that this morning will be your day, okay? And the word why is one of the most powerful three-letter words in the English dictionary. It is a one-word sentence. Have you ever thought about that? Why? And it's a probing question, and it reveals two things. Number one, it reveals that we are inquisitive creatures, We are inquisitive creatures, and if you don't believe that, just hang out with a two-year-old or a three-year-old who is learning to ask the question, why? You know that? Why can be one of those questions that never ends, the song that never ends. Dad, where are you going? To work. Why? So that I can make money. Why? So that we can have food. Why? Because you're getting on my nerves. Please stop. (laughs) Right? Why is a probing question question. And children are really inquisitive, but it's also not only an, an inquisitive, it doesn't, it, not only does it reveal that we are inquisitive creatures, but it also reveals that we are limited creatures. It reveals that we don't know everything. It reveals that we are blind in some areas. You know, if we go back into the children's area right now and we ask a question, like, who knows what's going to... Before you can even ask the question, right? But I'm going to ask you some questions this morning, and some of us are going to be kind of like... Something about the older we get, something sets in, and we stop asking the good whys. Because it reveals something. It does reveal that we're inquisitive, but it also can reveal that we don't know everything. And wise people, people who are wise, they're wise not because they know everything. They are wise because they know they don't know everything. And so they remain teachable. And I hope that's who we will be as a church. I, you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know everything. And neither do you. And we need to be in a place where we're asking in a good way, why? And this morning, that's what's going on in our passage. And as we begin, the disciples are talking to Jesus and they're asking why. Let's look at verse 1 of chapter 9. As Jesus passed by, he saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see the why? Why is this man blind? Was it his parents or was it him? And Jesus corrects them in verse 3. He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that, he, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, if you're taking notes I've got three gospel observations that I want us to look at in this passage. And the first one is this. Number one is that we 
are all blind. We're all blind. Now, in this passage, who's blind? Obviously, there's the blind man, the blind beggar. He is actually a parable of what we are born in this world spiritually blind. He represents all of us in this room at birth. We're all born spiritually blind. He cannot see. And next week, Terry is going to be taking the 13 to the end of this chapter, and he's going to be teaching on that. And we're going to find out that there are a group of Jews who are blind. They come against the blind man whose eyes are opened, and they come against Jesus because they are spiritually blind. They are not a parable. They are the reality of unbelievers. They are spiritually blind. But let me ask you this. Is that the only blind people in this passage? No, I would say that the disciples are blind. Now, they do have physical eyesight. They can see with their eyes. And they have spiritual sight. They see that Jesus is the Messiah. But... They have pockets of blindness. They have what we would call blind spots. Even though their eyes are open spiritually, they still have blind spots. And the reality is that everybody in this room, you're either totally blind, you have not believed in Jesus, or you have believed in Jesus and your eyes are open, but you still have blind spots. Nobody can see in the back of their head except for mom. And we all have blind spots. So let me ask you this. Do you have anybody in your life that's helping you to see your blind spots? You have blind spots, and I have blind spots, but I don't know what my blind spots are. Otherwise, I wouldn't be blind, right? My question is, do you have someone in your life who is helping you to see these blind spots? Now, it's important to understand that God is always, God is always speaking to us. He is always talking to us, not just through um, preaching, but he, he talks to us through his word, and he talks to us through one another. He talks to us through our bosses. He talks to us through our enemies. He's always talking to us, trying to get our attention. And my question is, are we listening? Do you have anyone in your life who is speaking into your life? Or are you a Lone Ranger Christian? It's just you and Jesus, right? Well, let me tell you this. If you are a Lone Ranger Christian, that even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Think about that. You cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian and continue to walk with Christ without being in danger because we have blind spots. And anyone who is blind, whether you're a man or a woman, who refuses to listen to God through whatever medium that he's speaking to us will eventually fall into a pit. And it's not shameful. Listen, it is not shameful to have blind spots. We all have blind spots. The shameful thing is when God is trying to get you to see your blind spot and you refuse to listen. 
We're all blind and we all need help. So the question I want you to be asking yourself right now, is there anyone in your life that is there that can speak the truth to you? That can tell you when you got something in your teeth? That can tell you, hey man, you need a piece of gum right now. That will, that will not embarrass you in front of the whole world but they can help you in the areas that you're blind. And fortunately, the, the disciples, they have somebody. They have Jesus with them. And as I see it, there, there's two areas in this passage of where the disciples are blind. And the first area is in the area of compassion. It's in the area of compassion. Let's look, look at verse 1. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him. All right, let's stop there. His disciples asked him. Now, if they are compassionate, what are they going to ask him? They're going to ask him, Lord, is there something we can do for this man? This man is, is hurting. Lord, we know you can heal. Would you be willing to heal him? That's what they would say, but that's not what they, they, they say. They're insensitive to him. They're more interested in theology and talking about causes rather than caring for him. And, you know, before we kind of like look at, look at them, them like, what in the world? We got to realize we can do the same thing, can't we? <laughs> we can be very insensitive. I remember about 10 years ago, one of my daughters was talking to her nana. Now, I'm not going to tell you which one it was, which daughter it was, but it was not Esther. <laughs> and so her nana had a friend who was, who was dying of cancer, and it became very clear that the Lord was not going to heal her. And Ab, uh, this daughter was praying with her nana about this. And I, I really was touched by that. And I can remember being in the, in the room next door, uh, I think I was in the living room. She was on the phone, and this lady's hours were coming to an end. And my daughter said, is she dead yet? Now, this is, she's about five years old when she said this, okay? And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was not a proud parent. Now, obviously, she didn't. This, do, this daughter's really red right now. This <laughs> daughter was very young. She didn't realize that she was being insensitive, but the point is that, is that we can also be insensitive. And we can be like the disciples who were blind. And this morning, I want to ask us, are we being insensitive to one another? We talk a lot about making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples. And sometimes we can be like focused out there somewhere. And we need to be. We've got to be careful that we don't become an inward church. But right around us this morning, when you came in here, what was your first thought? Was it, I'm going to look for someone that I can minister to? You know, what if we could, like, like peel back the veil of our hearts, you know, and just kind of open up? What would we see? The person next to you, what would be there? We always come in with a smiling face, but often we're covering something that's deep within. I think if we were to peel back that veil this morning, we would, we would see bleeding hearts. We would see silent suffering and 
and quietly, people quietly enduring hardships. That's why we need to get to know each other. That's why we need to grow in fellowship. And we need Jesus to help us to have eyes to see. But not only were the disciples blind to compassion, they were also blind in their theology. They, they don't see Jesus rightly. Because basically what they're saying is, why did this man sin? Was it his sin or was it his mother's sin? And Jesus says it was neither. It was neither one. The reason that this man is suffering is because God has a plan. God has a plan for him that you don't know about. God is going to take his suffering and he's going to use it in a way that brings glory to his name. And the, the, the disciples were operating from a mindset of the day. Um, they believed that suffering was always connected to sin. Okay? If you are suffering, it's because you did something that, to deserve it or somebody did something to make you deserve it. And Jesus is bringing correction to that false doctrine right here. The, the rabbis would actually teach that a baby in the mother's womb could sin and that that could be why the baby was born with a disability. Now, I know we can look, like, look at that and go, man, how could they believe that? But, you know, we're living in a day and age that doesn't even believe that that baby's a person, okay? But why did they get off? It's because they got off from here. They're going beyond what Scripture teaches. And we, as a church, we have got to be careful that we do not add to the Word of God. They are adding to the Word of God right here. They're saying that you, something that is not taught in the Scripture. And listen, if any of us up here are teaching that, that's a blind spot. I promise you it's a blind spot. By God's grace, we're not intentionally going to come up here and teach falsehood, but we could. And if so, that's, we need to be corrected. Okay, And that's why it's important that we all know the Word of God. Secondly, um, they taught that the parent's sin could be the reason that a child suffers. And this is, this is grounded in some biblical truth in the Old Testament from like Exodus 20, verse 5, Exodus 34, verse 7, and Numbers 14, verse 18. That's where God says, I will visit the iniquity of the fathers on their children. Now, for sure, parents, when we sin, it affects our families. It affects our children. That is true. Well, actually, listen, church, when we sin, when any of us sins, it affects the body because we're all connected. We never we never sin in isolation. You do not sin in private and it not affect anyone. You don't sin on your phone alone. It affects the whole body. Two consenting adults do not sin and it not affect everyone else. Our sin has rippling effects whether we realize it or not. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what Jesus is talking about in this passage. He's saying that nobody's 
direct sin is the result of this child being born blind. And the disciples believed that all suffering was because someone had sinned. But Jesus addresses this by saying, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And it's crucial, listen to this, it's, it's crucial to understand that all sin results in suffering. Okay? I'm going to say that again. All sin results in suffering. When you sin, you're going to suffer. Other people are suffered, will suffer. Actually, Jesus suffered for all sin. So when we sin, there will be suffering, but not all suffering, listen, not all suffering is the result of sin. Okay? I think some of us need to hear that this morning. Some of us this morning are in suffering. And it's not because you've done anything. It might be that you're having physical ailments, emotional ailments. You might be having financial crisis right now. You might be having relational problems. But it's not because you did anything. You didn't go out and go on a vacation and spend $5,000 on your credit card, and now you're in debt. It's nothing like that. And, but the thing is, you are asking yourself right now, what have I done? Why, why am I suffering right now? It must be something I did. I don't know what it is, but it must be something I did, and God is angry with me, and he is punishing me right now for it. There are times that we all struggle with that. And if that's you this morning, and, there, and you really can't pinpoint that sin, listen, when God, when the Holy Spirit brings conviction, it's not this vague thing that's out there. It's specific sin. Now, if the Holy Spirit's addressing you in that and you are suffering because of your sin, understand that God loves you and he's pointing it out and there's gonna, there may be consequences, there usually are, but that it doesn't mean you, you're done. God can redeem anything. That's not who I'm talking to right now, though. I'm talking to those of us who are suffering and you think God's mad at you. And he's punishing you. Now listen, if you truly are in Christ, if you have put your faith in him, if you have believed in him, understand God is not angry with you. That wrath, that anger has already been spent on his son. Amen? Is that not the truth? He's not angry with you. Probably what's happening is he is disciplining you. Now when I say discipline, I don't mean he's giving you a spanking. I'm talking about like being an Olympian. He's training you. He is pruning you in this trial. Why? So that you can be more fruitful, so that you can bear more fruit. And ultimately, when we bear fruit, it says in John chapter 15, when we bear much fruit, it brings glory to God. God is revealed. What do you think happened in this story when the man went down to the uh, lake and washed the, the, the mud off his eyes, and he could see. God was glorified, and people were rejoicing, weren't they? At least the people that were on God's side. We're going to see next week that there's some blind people who won't even rejoice when a blind man 
and see. But I want to I reassure you this morning, if you are his child and there's not a specific sin and you have sought to, to seek, is there something I need to repent of? I want you to rest. God wants you to rest in him and know, look, this trial is there for your good and for my glory. Trust me in this. That's what he's saying. So the first thing that we see in this passage is that, number one, we're all blind. Like this man, we were all born spiritually blind. And like the disciples, those of us who are true disciples, we have pockets of blindness. We have blind spots. And the second observation I want us to see here is that though we are all blind, number two, Jesus sees all. Jesus sees all. It says in verse 1 that as Jesus passed by, As Jesus passed by, he saw. He saw a man. Jesus saw the blind man. Now, the disciples saw the blind man too, but they didn't see him with the same eyes that Jesus saw him. Jesus sees this man's true condition, and he has compassion on him. He is aware of the man's suffering. Get this, even though the man is unaware that Jesus is aware. Jesus sees the man, and he is there, even though the man can't see him and doesn't know that he's there. I know this is sounding like who's on first, but it's important for us to get this. This man is blind. He can't see Jesus, but that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't there. Are you following me? Or are you blind to what I'm saying? I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I don't know how many times I've been in my walk with Christ where it feels like Jesus can't see me. Because I can't see him, and it doesn't feel like he's aware of what I'm going through, and that he doesn't care. And that's when the, the whys come up, right? The why questions come up. Why? Why is this happening? God, if you are a good God, why are you allowing me to suffer like this? Or why are you allowing them to prosper when they don't even know or love you? Why aren't you doing anything about this? Why do I feel so alone? Why do I feel so forsaken? But though I can relate to this, when I look back at my life and see where God has brought me, I have never seen him be unfaithful to me. Not one time. And I've been through, boy, I have been through some major smackdowns in life. God has loved me well. And not one time When I look back, what I say, God, I wish you hadn't done that. I always look back and say, God, you knew what you were doing. And he is at work in your life right now. Whether you believe it or not, whether you can see it or not, he is there. Even though it may not feel like it, this is a time that you have to rise up in faith and trust his word. In verse 4, speaking of him being at work, Jesus says, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. 
Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I think that Jesus is keenly aware that his time on earth is short. He says, we got to work while I'm still here because night's about to come. I'm about to die. Daytime here is speaking of his life. Daytime here is speaking of your life. Nighttime is talking about death when we can work no more. Jesus is about, the good shepherd is about to go to the cross and lay down his life for his sheep. And we need to understand that our time is short. And we don't know when the daylight is going to end on our lives. It could be today. It could be another 40 years. I don't know. But we know that nighttime is going to come. And you know what? Jesus is kind. Jesus is humble. Jesus is gracious. He's merciful and patient. But he's not a pushover. We need to understand that. We must be fearfully careful that we not misinterpret his kindness. There's a show that my family and I like to watch. It's called Shark Tank. That is, has become one of my favorite. We, we, we watch reruns, not all the time, because that would be sinful. But we watch them, and I could literally watch eight hours, um, a lot of this, and I love this show. How many of you have ever seen this show? Hey, that's good. Y'all raised your hand. Good. Okay. Well, as you know, most of you know, it's a a show where entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, come up and they, they try to sell these five billionaires their business or get them to come in and put their money in on it. And from time to time, a young guy will come in there or a young lady will come in there and one of the sharks will give them this really amazing deal, this, this kind, amazing deal. And the entrepreneur will just kind of mess around and won't take it. And here's what the shark will say. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. Don't mistake my kindness for weakness. If you don't respond now, I'm going to withdraw my offer. And so when we come to Jesus, he is patient. He is kind. He is merciful. But there comes a day when Jesus will say, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. The offer is here today, but you must make a decision. You must respond because there will be a day when you can no longer respond. By God's grace, may we respond today to whatever he's showing us. So number one, we are all blind. Number two, Jesus sees all. And number three, Jesus opens eyes. He gives sight to the blind. Let's look at verse 6. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. That's the sign that John's talking about. 
These things are written that you may see these signs. The eyes of the blind opened. It's very interesting the way Jesus does this, isn't it? Can you imagine being that blind guy? Can't see? You want to be healed? Yes. All right, sit, sit still. <laughs> That's all right. I can see. I'm good. It's kind of, kind of interesting. One of the one commentary I read said that uh, the reason that he does this is because, as you're going to see next week, he's breaking the Sabbath, and on the Sabbath, a person was not allowed to need, like, uh, need anything like dough, and so Jesus is spitting on the ground and kneading the mud. He's breaking the Sabbath on purpose. He's picking a fight with the Jews. But you know, sometimes coming to Jesus can kind of be like that, kind of strange, can it? We hear that, that God loves us, that, that he has a wonderful plan for us, and we're like, man, I want that. So we're in the darkness, and, and we take a step towards him. And as we step towards him, he is the light of the world, and his, his light begins to shine on us, and we are exposed for who we are. We find that the Bible calls it nakedness. We find that we're naked. Now, have you ever had one of those dreams that you were in public, right? And all of a sudden, you're, you realize, why did I come out here like this, and you're naked? Have you, has anyone? Please raise your hand. Come on. Don't leave me up here naked like that. Come on. I've never had that dream, but I read about it. Let's pray. But you're naked. And so you have to decide, am I going to keep going? You hear that? That's what you're hearing when you see you're naked. The more light you're given, it's like, do I really want this? The closer you draw to Christ, he begins to re reveal some things. He reveals to you that you're naked. And then he reveals to you that you're guilty that you're guilty of sin. And then he shows us what we deserve because we're guilty. He's putting that mud pack on our eyes, right? And then he reveals, if we stay long enough, he reveals, but I love you. You deserve to go to hell. You deserve to be punished. But I took your punishment for, for you. But you know what? This morning, I'm afraid that we have... From time to time, we can be people. You might be a person who has come only halfway to Jesus. In other words, you've got the mud on your eyes, but you've not been saved yet, okay? But you think you are because you have knowledge. I want you to look at what Jesus tells this blind man to do. In verse 6, it says that he anointed the man's eyes with mud, but he wasn't done yet. He said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent, and look at what the man did. So he went and washed. There is an obedience 
that this man responds to. He responds to Jesus with obedience. And look what happens. And he came back seeing. The man obeyed Jesus. But I'm afraid that there's many of us that, not many, but some of us may be this morning sitting in here. You're agreeing with every single thing I'm saying. You love the doctrine. This is good doctrine. But the reality is, is you're still sitting there with the mud on your face. And when you get up and walk out of here, your life is going to not be changed by what Christ did. There is an obedience to the gospel. Now, I'm not talking about works here. There is an obedience that comes from the gospel. The the Word of God talks about obeying the gospel. In other words, that you fully trust in Jesus. You fully put your faith in him in such a way that your life is transformed and that you turn from sin and begin to walk in righteousness. And you know, the mark of a true disciple is not that he or she doesn't sin. The mark of a true disciple is not that he or she doesn't have blind spots. You guys get that? Do you believe that? Let me think about that. Do you really believe that? Do you believe you have blind spots? Okay, then why do you get defensive when someone talks about it? I I do. I hate it when someone tells me I've got a blind spot. I hate it when my children tell me my breath smells, because it does. It's embarrassing. It's, it hurts my pride. But we all have them. And so, listen, we've got to learn to quit being defensive. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm preaching to me right now. We've got to learn to quit being defensive when people bring something to us. Now, every time someone brings something to you, it doesn't mean that they're telling the truth. They may be missing it. Okay? And we've got to learn how to bring stuff to people. The best way to bring something to someone is not to tell them what they're doing. You can ask questions. Hey, you know when you hit me in the head with the baseball bat and was angry, were you angry at me? We need to ask questions instead of making accusations. And then we need to be humble enough to go, instead of going, no, 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 that's not, instead of saying no, pause, I don't think so, or yes, I did mean to hit you with a baseball bat. I don't think so. Let me think about it. And then really get back to that person. Consider, because God is talking to us all the time. He's always wanting to help us, to grow us. And as you respond, here's what it's going to look like. The number one thing, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to confess it. If you are going to grow in your blind spots, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to, you're going to confess it. That means you are going to agree when you have sinned. Yes, I agree that is sin. The second is you're going to repent. That means that your, your mind, you're going to change your mind, which is going to go down to your heart. This is what Pastor Jazz talked about. It goes to your heart, which leads to a change in direction. 
and then you're going to become obedient. Whatever God has called you to do. In this case, in the blind man, he obeyed by going and washing his eyes. Has God told you something? Listen, this morning, as I've been speaking or as, as you've been talking to people, has God spoken to you and given you a command? I want you to think about that. Because we don't gather here just to gather. We gather here to be equipped. We gather here to worship the Lord. We gather here to receive correction if necessary. Has God spoken to you in any way, in any way this morning? Don't let that get out of your head today. I would encourage you, write it down. Take it home. Pray over it. Obey. Because after that comes praise. After that comes praise. When we repent of sin, it is so freeing. And we begin to become people of thanksgiving and praise. Why was this man born blind? that the works of God might be displayed in him. And that is a great why. But there's a greater why, a greater question that was, that was uttered 2,000 years ago when the Lord was hanging on the cross. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why was Jesus dying? Why was Jesus suffering was it because of his sin? No. It was because of our sin that Jesus was suffering. That the works of God might be displayed in him and that our sins would be paid for and that we could be reunited with him. And his offer stands this morning. Right now, where you are, Jesus says, I want to forgive you. I want to receive you. I want to take your life and glorify my Father in you. I want to bring glory to God through you. And if you will, look at this sign this morning that John has written in this book. If you'll look at this sign and take it to heart and believe in him, Jesus says, that you will have life in his name. Let's pray.